Welcome to Forbes Podcasts. Hi, this is Denise Rastari, and welcome to Mentoring Moments, where women you may never meet will become your mentors. Mentoring Moments is part of the Forbes Podcast Network, produced by Fractal Recording. I'm moving fast today because my guest, your mentor, Cindy Gallup, is all about taking action and being fast. I love, love, love Cindy's Twitter profile. It reads, I like to blow shit up. I'm the Michael Bay of business. And one of my favorite Cindy quotes is, you'll never own the future if you care what other people think. That's a good one, right? She became a sex tech founder by accident, and her site is Make Love, Not Porn, a site about real-world sex. Yep, we're going to be talking a lot about that today. She has her MA from the University of Oxford, and she was the chairman and president of BBH, a global creative agency. Cindy, we are going to have so much fun. So let's just just, just do it. Let's just jump Absolutely. in and have your mentoring moment. What is that moment in life, that story that you want to share with others that will help them? Well, do you know, I'm, I'm going to give you a bit of a lateral answer to that question, Denise. And this is a very subjective perspective. It may not be quite what you're looking for, but, but I hope it might be helpful to your listeners. So I have, in the course of my life, had many what you might call mentors. Uh, the majority of them, mildly depressingly, have been men, because, you know, coming up through the ranks in advertising um, in my career, inevitably, male-dominated, worked primarily for men. But when I was um, mulling over the question I knew you were going to ask me, I think the best revelation I can share with your audience is, and, um, and this only happened gradually over the last few years, is that I now urge women not to look for just mentors, but even more importantly, to find champions. And what I mean by that is that there can be a tendency for the word mentor to sound quite touchy-feely, very advisory, a lot of talking, okay? And as I said, this is very subjective because I am a naturally very action-oriented person who feels there is far too much talking in the world and too little doing. And so what I urge women to do is to find champions because champions are people who make shit happen for you. So a champion is the person, and again, depressingly, um, this person right now quite often has to be a man. It can absolutely also be a woman, but you need to be aware of the fact that this, this may more often than not be a man. A champion is the person who, behind closed boardroom doors, slams their fist on the table and says, if there is only enough room in the budget for one pay rise in my division, it's going to Jane, not John. It's very easy for men to find champions because they're usually working for other men. And senior men look at a junior man and go, he reminds me of myself at his age. I can see myself in him. And women need what men get all the time at work, which is men who will go out on a limb for them, who will actually champion them, um, even if it's not the most popular opinion. And women don't get that enough. And so, 
you know, I think, um, you know, the revelation for me really was understanding that women often look for mentors and women really need to find champions, people who will make things happen for them. And then how do they find them? I, I just did a guest lecture at Stanford. And first of all, I think we need to redefine the word mentoring, right? So whether it's we need to find champions, we need to redefine the word mentoring and what it really means because there are more mm. mentees than there are mentors in the world. And if you're looking for a mentor, mm. that's, they're spreading themselves mm. thin. Anyway, so we were talking about how do, we, how do you even find them? So if you're a woman, you're in the workplace, you need a champion. Mm. What advice? Yeah. Um, so, um, so first of all, I mean, the, the good thing is um, you should absolutely be looking for a champion where you work. Because the important point about a champion is that they have to have a degree of familiarity with you and to have, and to be able to experience the quality of your work. So what I recommend to women is literally look around and above you, decide whom you would like to champion you. And then the key thing is you don't go, and again, women make this mistake all the time. You do not go to somebody and say, will you be my mentor? You don't go to somebody and go, will you be my champion? I'm all about communication through demonstration. You make a point of impressing that person with something that you do. And, and that can mean drawing attention to something that you do. But the key thing is you present them with an example of how good you are at what you're doing or how good you could be at what you really want to do. And you put that in front of them and you ask for their feedback. And if they like it, you say to them, I really want to make this happen. Could you help me? Or even better, identify some very small action they could take to help you and ask them to do that. And the point about um, a small action, and this is all part of my personal philosophy, I'm all about micro actions. When you ask someone to do a micro action, it's a really small, simple, easy thing that it's no skin off their nose to do it. And, and actually, when you ask someone to do that, that makes them feel good because they can do something to help you. It's really small, easy, didn't cost them anything, and they therefore feel good about helping you. And what about saying, Cindy, I want to pick your brain? Oh, my God, <laughs> don't get me started, Denise. So, so, you know, I mean, I get many messages every single day along these lines, and you should never, ever, ever ask if you can pick somebody's brain. And, um, and I say this because this is a lesson you need to absorb for yourself, okay? Never give anything away for free, okay? What you have to offer is extremely valuable, okay? What you have to offer any workplace, anybody, is your personal point of view, hard-won lessons, one through experience, you know, advice. And, you know, if I... Um, if I responded to every request I get every single day to pick my brain for free, I would have no time to do anything to support myself and I'd be personally bankrupt. Because quite often that question coming from somebody is a way of evading taking responsibility themselves for what they should be doing. You know, it's, it's a hope that if I go and talk to this person, some answer to what I really want to know will magically bubble up from the, you know, and, and the person that you are asking has got no time for that whatsoever. Okay. So, uh, so again, I go back to microactions. You know, really think about what it is yourself that you want to achieve, you want to do, and then identify the micro action that need to be taken to help you achieve that, and then ask people to do that. Do not ask people if you can pick, pick their brain. And are there other things that young women do that you see or they do or you hear or they're asking you that you just think, just stop doing that and do this instead? So, so I talk to young women all the time, and particularly after, you know, my speaking engagements, and, you know, because because I talk to so many and because I get so many messages every day, 
and because I'm a huge fan of simplicity, directness, honesty, and truth-telling. I think um, the, um, the thing that um, I most often have to say, and, and by the way, the very fact I have to say this is depressing in itself, but um, a young woman came up to me last week in Berlin. Um, I gave a talk at Tech Open Air Berlin on why the next big thing in tech is disrupting sex. And there were a lot of young women in the audience who obviously knew of me already. And a young girl came up to me, and she follows me on social media, and she knows how much I champion women's rights and issues. And she told me that she worked in the music business, which is notoriously sexist, and she was having a very bad time at work because she was surrounded by men who were evincing appallingly sexist behavior. It was actively making her ill, actually. It was having a very detrimental effect on her mental health. And, and by the way, you know, uh, the moment she began talking, I know exactly what she's talking about. We all do as women. And so I cut her off because, because she was kind of venting. And I went, um, get the fuck out. Okay, this is what you have to do. Get the fuck out. And she was going, but, 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 but it's my job. And I went, you don't want to work in a company like that, an environment like that that is damaging you this profoundly. Get the fuck out. Find another job. It doesn't matter where. Just go and find another job that is not in an environment like that. That's the answer. That's your answer. And I don't know what other answer she expected me to give, but that was the answer. And so I regularly have to say to women, you know, if you are somewhere that does not welcome and celebrate your talent, if you are somewhere that does not allow you to disrupt and innovate in the way you want to, get the fuck out. Because there's no point. I, I agree. I'll tell you, when I was 23... I, you know, I grew up in a small little town. I ended up in Washington, D.C. My town I grew up in was outside of Pittsburgh. And I was the manager of a hotel chain, a small boutique hotel chain. And this was a big deal. I was 23 years old. But all of my friends were going to the beach on the weekend. And I was stuck there managing the hotel on the weekend. And I wanted to have like a real life. But that was okay. It was like, I'm really happy to have this job. And the president of the company was verbally abusive, but never to me. And as a matter of fact, I would defend people that he would abuse verbally. And I would say, you can't talk to her that way. And he would never lash out at me. And I would sometimes wonder why isn't he, but not too, I didn't think about it too long. I was just happy he wasn't lashing out at me. Right. So one day, so the owner of the company likes the director of sales. Let's just say her name's Deborah. The president of the company is dating the director of sales. That says his name is Toby. So Toby and Deborah are dating. That's a really bad idea. I agree. I agree. The owner finds out and he's really upset because he likes Deborah and Toby's dating her. Toby thinks I told the owner because I was good friends with the owner's assistant, which I never said. What happened was Toby and Deborah were at lunch at one of the restaurants and Deborah threw soup on Toby's lap. Well, you just don't throw soup on this guy's lap and get away with it, right? So the wait staff figured it out that something's going on here and that started the buzz. So anyway, I go into his office and he throws a stapler at me and it misses my head by inches. I run out of the room and I'm in, I'm in Washington DC on Capitol Hill and I go to the park and there's a homeless woman sitting on a park bench and she looks at me and she smiles and her grin is toothless. And I look at her and I thought, her life's better than mine. I want to be her. Isn't this sad? Sad oh and God. sick, right? Precisely. Right. I mean, get the fuck out of here. Should, someone should have been saying that to me, right? Absolutely. And I thought, I want to be her. 
And that's when I, mm-hmm. I didn't think, I'm not fortunate I have an apartment, I have a job, mm-hmm. I have friends, I'm not living mm-hmm. on a park bench. No, I just thought, mm-hmm. she's free. She yep. doesn't work for this maniac. Yep. And yep. I went back and resigned. I didn't Fantastic. have a job. Yep. I became a bartender. Yep. yep. No, way to do it. Way right. to do it. And I, it Absolutely. Was, and I tell that to women all the time because yep. I say, you know, you shouldn't wait until the point where he's th- he or she, yep. whoever it is, is throwing the no. stapler at your head. Um, no, no, exactly. A friend of mine posted a quote on Facebook today, um, apparently by William Gibson, which said something on the lines of, instead of focusing in on your feelings of depression and lack of self-esteem, just ask yourself if you're surrounded by assholes. Right. That's, that's a great one. And usually that's the case half the time mm, because yeah. people, not all people, a lot of people like to make you feel badly about yourself because it makes them yeah. feel better, right? Yeah, absolutely. And young women just fall prey mm. to that. Yep. Yep. Um, no, um, no, um, no, absolutely. Get the fuck out. Right. And then the other thing, by the way, and I have to do this quite a lot with as much, by the way, friends of mine of all ages as young women. So when I'm talking to somebody about um, their situation, and they may have been in a bad situation they've recently extracted themselves from, but there is a real tendency to want to vent and linger on the previous bad situation. And I am ruthless about cutting that one off at the knees, okay? So they'll go, and I'm saying the thing about him was, and I go, okay, no, 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 enough, okay? It's done, it's over. And I go, oh, yeah, no, 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 you're right. But, but, but honestly, it just makes me sorry. No, 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 no. Don't even waste mental thought space on this. It's a waste of energy. You know, you've moved on. Now focus all of your mind space on the really positive things you're going to do going forwards to give yourself a better life, a better career, whatever. Do not linger on the past bad experiences and go on and on and on about them. Very bad idea. I agree. And I want to talk about you because I think that well, here's a question. Have you always been Cindy Gallup? Have you always been the person who is sure of herself, that believed in what you think and say what you believe in? No, no, no. no. When I was in my 20s, I was as rampantly insecure as any of the rest of us. And so how did it, how, how, what was that change? How did that happen? Um, 56 years of life. Right. I'm in so many situations right now with young women, and I think their approach, their answers, their thoughts about it are so different than mine, right? Because you have those experiences to say, just don't waste your time on this. That person is not going Mm. to change, whether it's a Mm. personal or professional relationship. In this moment, that person is not Mm. going to change Mm. without a lot of help, right? Mm. And they're not getting help. So let's talk, let's go back to talking about you. Let's talk about what you're doing now and what challenges you might have. Because I think a lot of times when we are strong women, people think life is rosy. And everything is falling in place because we do have that. You have a great social presence. You have a great presence, but you speak and people listen. So what is it like being, what, what are you going through now? The good, the bad. So, um, well, I have a startup um, which is facing enormous challenges. Uh, do you want me to talk about um, what I'm doing? Sure, I'm doing it? sure. Yes, okay, yeah. right. sure. So um, I have a startup that is a complete and total accident because I never consciously and intentionally set out to do anything that I rather bizarrely find myself doing now. It comes out of direct personal experience. I date younger men. They tend to be men in their 20s. And through dating younger men, I began realizing about nine or 10 years ago, and so bear in mind, this is before the media ever picked up on any of what I'm about to tell you. I began realizing that I was encountering an issue that would quite honestly never have crossed my mind if I had not encountered it so very intimately and personally. I realized I was encountering what happens when two things converge. And I stress the dual convergence because most people think it's only one. 
Our eyes are experiencing what happens when today's total freedom of access to hardcore porn online meets our society's equally total reluctance to talk openly and honestly about sex. The convergence of both of those factors results in porn becoming, by default, the sex education of today in not a good way. So I found myself encountering a number of sexual behavioural memes. I went, whoa, I know where that's coming from. I thought, gosh, if I'm experiencing this, other people must be as well. And being, as I said earlier, a naturally action-oriented person, I went, I want to do something about this. So eight years ago, I put up on No Money this tiny, clunky little website at makelovenotporn.com that posts the myths of hardcore porn balances them with reality. So the construct is porn world versus real world. I had the opportunity to launch Make Love Not Porn at the TED conference, which I've been going to for a number of years. I took a deliberate decision to be very explicit in my TED talk because I knew that audience would not get this issue unless I was very straightforward about it. As a result, I'm the only TED speaker to utter the words come on my face on the TED stage six times. The talk went viral as a result, and it drove this extraordinary response to my tiny clunky website that I had never anticipated. And the most extraordinary thing was not just instantly huge traffic to the site from everywhere in the world. Uh, the most extraordinary thing is that every single day for the past eight years, this is ongoing, I've received thousands of emails to my Make Love Not Porn inbox, and they come from everybody. They come from young and old, men and female, straight and gay, every country in the world. And even before the actual site that I'd put up, what amazes people is simply the fact I stood on the stage in public, I talked about and I'm doing something about what everybody knows and no one ever speaks about. And as a result, people feel able to tell me anything. They pour their hearts out to me on email. They tell me things about their sex lives and their porn watching habits. They tell me things that they've never told anybody else before. They write to me for advice. 15-year-old boys write, 15 women write. And it was the sheer cumulative impact of all of these emails arriving, day after day after day, that eventually made me feel that I now have a personal responsibility. I had to take this initiative forwards in a way that would make it much more far-reaching, helpful and effective. So I saw an opportunity to do something that I believe in very strongly, which is that the future of business is doing good and making money simultaneously. I saw the opportunity for a big business solution to a huge, untapped global social need. So what I started to do was, I always have to emphasize that make love not porn is not anti-porn because the issue isn't porn. The issue is that we don't talk about sex in the real world. If we did amongst so many other benefits, People would then bring a real-world mindset when they view what is simply artificial entertainment. Our tagline is pro-sex, pro-porn, pro-known difference. And our mission is one thing only, which is to help make it easier for people to talk about sex. Talk about sex openly and honestly in the public domain, by which I mean parents to kids, teachers to schools, everyone to everyone. And importantly, talk about sex openly and honestly privately in your intimate relationships. So... What I decided to do, therefore, was to take every dynamic that exists out there in social media currently and apply them to the one area no other social network or platform is ever going to go in order to socialize sex and to make real world sex and talking about it socially acceptable and therefore ultimately just as socially shareable as anything else we share on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram. So three and a half years ago, my team and I launched the first stage of this vision, makelove.porn.tv which is an entirely user-generated, crowdsourced video-sharing platform that celebrates real-world sex. Anybody from anywhere in the world can submit videos of themselves having real-world sex, and we're very clear what we mean by this. We're not porn. 
We're not amateur. We're building a whole new category online that has never previously existed, social sex. So our competition isn't porn, it's Facebook and YouTube. Or it would be if Facebook and YouTube allowed sexual self-expression and self-identification. So real-world sex videos of Make Love Not Porn are not about performing for the camera. They're simply about doing what you do on every other social platform, which is capturing what goes on in the real world as it happens in all its funny, messy, silly, ridiculous, beautiful, wonderful humanness. We curate to make sure of that. Watch every video. Don't publish unless it's real. And we have a revenue-sharing business model. We're part of the sharing economy, like Uber and Airbnb. You pay to rent and stream real-world sex videos, and then 50% of that income goes to our contributors, or as we call them, our Make Love Not Porn stars. Because we would like our Make Love Not Porn stars one day to be as famous and celebrated as YouTube stars, for the same reasons, authenticity, realness, individuality, and we'd like them to make just as much money. We want to hit the kind of critical mass where one day your real-world sex video could hit a million rentals, at $5 per rental, we give you half the income. We are the answer to the global economy, by the way. And has it been easy? Are there challenges? Oh, my God. <laughs> so um, the one thing that I did not realize when I embarked on this venture was that my team and I would fight a battle every single day to build it. Essentially because every piece of business infrastructure any other startup can at least just take for granted. We can't because the small print always says no adult content. And this is all pervasive in ways that people outside the sphere don't realize. I can't get funded. I can't get banked. I can't put payments in place. PayPal won't work with us. Um, every single tech service, hosting, encoding, encrypting, the terms of service always say no adult content. I have to go to the people at the top of the company, beg to be allowed to work with them. We had to build our entire video streaming from platform platform from scratch ourselves because existing streaming services won't stream adult content. Every single thing is a battle. So you have, I'm thinking you're a young woman in whoever you are and you're thinking, okay, I'm starting this business. You have this idea. It's a great idea. You're passionate about it. You launch it. You have a responsibility now to your users, your viewers, the people in your community. And now you're saying you can't get funding and it's, there's a lot of obstacles in front of you. So then what do you do? Right. So I, I realized very early on, therefore, that I was going to have to pave my own way. I have to break down the business barriers in my own path in order to scale and grow Make Love Not Porn to be the billion dollar venture I know it can be. So I am doing what I tell other entrepreneurs to do, which is when you have a truly world changing startup, you have to change the world to fit it, not the other way around. So I like to say that I'm in the Steve Jobs business of reality distortion. If reality tells me that I can't grow my start the way I want to, I'm going to change reality. So I set out to create my own category. And, and, and my category exists, but nobody had really delineated it to the tech and business world in the way that I'm doing now and in the way that has therefore brought a whole bunch of other entrepreneurs along with me. I set out to pioneer and champion, and champion sex tech as a sector. So I um, do a lot of speaking and posting about the fact that I'm telling the tech and business world the next big thing in tech is disrupting sex. Because at baseline level, if I just say that loudly enough, often enough, and in enough places, people start to believe it. You know, I am defining sex tech. I am showcasing and celebrating other sex tech entrepreneurs in order to get people to understand how many of us are there and how we are the future. 
Because um, what you see all around you in every sector at the moment is the business syndrome that I call collaborative competition. Collaborative competition is when everybody in a sector competes everyone else in the sector by doing exactly the same thing everyone else in the sector is doing. Bad idea. I believe the future instead is what I call competitive collaboration, by which I mean when all of you in a sector come together and collaborate in a way that we don't see currently in order to make things better for all of you on the premise of a rising tide floats all boats. That is what then allows each of you off the top of that wave to then be uniquely competitive, leveraging your own individual skills and talents. So a personal example is, a couple of years ago, Fast Company approached me and said, we want to write an article about all the obstacles you face building Make Love Not Porn. I went, that's great. I will only agree to be interviewed if you also agree to interview these six other sex tech entrepreneurs I'm going to introduce you to. I don't care if my Make Love Not Porn's column entries go down to this much, I want the world to know there's a whole movement of us out there and we can't be stopped. Whenever you're then up against the obstacles, can you come up with like three, five tips to say to people, here's the things you need to do? Well, um, I think, um, you know, what I would say is, um, again, being very action oriented, mm -hmm. there is always a way over, around, under or through any obstacle. You just have to be enormously creative about what that is. And, um, and actually, you know, the way I try and help other entrepreneurs is, um, and again, I live my own philosophies. So I am all about micro actions because I believe that change happens not from the top down, but the bottom up. Every single one of us on a daily basis undertaking micro actions that change the world will cumulatively over time add up to huge impact. So here are a couple of things that I recommend to entrepreneurs. So, you know, and, and you made the point earlier, Denise, that, you know, from the outside superficially, my life can look very glamorous on social media. So I fully realized that several years ago, um, I decided, I took a conscious decision to open up, up about how truly shitty my life really is. Okay. So I coined a hashtag startup stress and I just began talking openly about what a goddamn nightmare it is building a sex tech venture. And the response was amazing. People, you know, wrote to me, tweeted at me, Facebook messaged me to say, oh, my God, thank you so much for talking about this openly. It makes me feel better knowing that you're going through the same thing. So it was part of startup stress. Um, and, and, you know, this is an important part of um, I'm regularly asked what are the most important qualities for any entrepreneur. And my answer is always persistence, resilience and the ability to manage your own mind. I'm very good at mind management. And so part of mind management is, you know, a tip I'll give to other entrepreneurs, which is the thing about startup stress is every day I say to myself, okay, today I am only allowed to stress about one, or at the very most two things. So of all the 15 million things that are stressing me out at the moment about my startup, today I'm going to pick one and that's the one I'm going to focus on and that's the one I'm going to address. Maybe two if there's something else also very imperative. But, but literally, I go, of all the things stressing you out, each day, pick one. And that's the one you're going to address today. Then, um, then the other thing um, I say to entrepreneurs also, you know, um, along the micro-action principle is, I go, what is the single thing right now that if it happened, would make the biggest difference to your business. And I go, blue sky it. Okay, it doesn't matter how ridiculous you might think this micro-action is. Just, just go, you know, if one thing could happen right now that would dramatically change the fortunes of my startup, what would it be? So, for example, and this is several years ago, 
um, because this one has gotten a wee bit more difficult. But, but an entrepreneur said to me, the single thing that makes most difference in my startup right now would be if Kim Kardashian tweeted about it. So I went, okay, that's great. Because the moment you identify what that micro action is, you can make it happen. Now you know that the single thing that makes the most difference is Kim Kardashian tweeting about it. There are ways to make Kim Kardashian tweet about your business. Now, this was several years ago. As we all know, Kim Kardashian charges massively these days, tweet, you know, so maybe it's a wee bit more difficult now. But, but the key thing being, you know, um, the, um, the moment you can identify what that micro action is, you can then strategize how to actually make that happen. And today, is there one thing that you're thinking about in your business? Well, um, for me, um, you know, um, rather depressingly, um, everything right now um, to make what I want to see happen for Make Love Not Porn boils down to one thing only, which is cold, hard cash. So, um, but, but the good thing about that is I'm ferociously, single-mindedly focused on raising funding for Make Love Not Porn. So that's a very easy filter through startup stress because I go... Does doing this help me raise cash? Does this take me one step closer to raising the funding I need? No, nope, not doing it. You know, at least at least it makes life very simple in that way. And I think that is such a refreshing mindset to have because especially when you're bombarded or you're confused, when you're confused about where you're headed, then you say yes to a lot of things that have absolutely no impact, but fall into the, I want people to like me. Yep. I want to be a good girl. Mm. If I do that, maybe in two years from now, they'll remember me and they'll do it. And then you lose sight of what's in front yep. of you. So how do you say no? Right. Oh, um, oh with extreme ease. <laughs> I can imagine. So, so, so actually, I, I have a um, cut and paste form email. And, and by the way, it, it's a form email, but I always customize mm -hmm. and personalize it to the occasion. But it, it basically, it's my response to, as I say, I get a whole bunch of requests every single day. And so my form email is incredibly nice. And it says, you know, I'm really pleased to hear from you. I love what you're doing. I'm going to be completely straightforward with you. You know, my team and I are drowning in stress, workload and startup hell, battling to build Make Love Not Porn. And, you know, I get many messages every day from lovely people like yourself asking for free advice, input, meetings, talks, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I'm really sorry, but right now I'm so overloaded and overworked, you know, working to raise the funding I need that it's simply not possible to comply with every single one of those requests. I really hope at some point in the future, you know, when I've found the open mind investor I need, raise the funding, it'll be different, you know, and I'd love, but, but right now I just really hope you understand. And, 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 and people always do. You know, so that's what I do. I do the same thing. I get a lot of requests from press people, and they their requests to feature young women who are doing great things. But I just don't have the time to meet that person, interview that person right yep. now. So I have the same. I, I do the same thing, mm. and that has been very. It's it's been very um, freeing. I can think of the word mm. for a second, but very freeing in mm. that I'm responding to them and I'm saying exactly yeah. what's going on. It's not like thinking, what do I want to tell them? Should I not tell them? This yeah. is like, this is what's going on in my life. Mm. I'll be back in touch if yeah. that changes. Good luck to her. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And in fact, um, you know, um, that makes me think of, um, because I want to just make this point also for your young female entrepreneur audience. There's, so, so um, I'm, I'm ready asked also, you know, what is the single piece of advice that you would give any entrepreneur? And it's this, which is the only person who can make things happen for you is you. And, and one of the reasons I say that with some vehemence is because there is a real misconception in the entrepreneurial world that um, success is born out of networking. 
So people go to networking events and they network. Bloody hate that term, by the way. Um, and, and by the way, um, there is nothing wrong with those events if you go in there with a very single-minded purpose, which I'll come on to. But, but the really big mistake people make is to think that success is within other people's gift. It's not. You know, only you can make what you want to happen happen for you. And, and, and young women particularly, because, you know, um, from the moment we're born as women, everything around us conspires to make us feel insecure about absolutely every single thing to do with ourselves. The way we look, the way we talk, the way we dress, nice girls do this, nice girls don't do that. We spend the rest of our lives coming back from that, and some women never do. So, um, you know, when a woman has, you know, an idea of venture, it's, it's very easy to fall into a mindset that goes, I need to go out there and meet other people who will, you know, fund it, advise me, you know, make it happen for me. No, 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 no. Do not waste time networking. Only go out to networking events when you have in your head the top three micro actions you need someone to do and you go into that meeting determined to find the people who will do them. And, and it's absolutely fine to be completely ruthless about not wasting time talking to somebody who will not be able to help you. Because honestly, you know, you will find, again, there is way too much talking and too little doing. And, you know, you just do not have the time. So um, another piece of advice I give is, you know, never waste your time banging your head against closed doors. Engineer yourself into a position where doors open automatically as you approach. And what I mean by that is, if you focus on the things you can make happen for you, if you just do your own thing, and it will be something that is enormously interesting because it's your own thing and you're doing it the way that you want, then you will attract the help and the attention and the media coverage to you. And the more you put yourself out there as doing something very interesting, the more people want to know about it. And the more you project a sense of confidence in what you are doing that is enormously attractive that will draw people to you. I think those are great points. And we're going to wrap up in a few minutes. But first of all, I want to ask you if there's anything else you want to talk about that we haven't covered. Any oh, advice, right, anything right, that yeah. you want, anything else, any stories, yeah, anything um, else you want to um, share? Actually, oh, actually, I do. Um, I want to talk about my challenges getting Make Love Not Porn funded um, because there are some interesting points about um, things I'd like women to take on board, particularly young women, coming out of that. So fighting a huge battle um, to raise the funding we need, our single biggest obstacle is the social dynamic that I call fear of what other people will think. It is never about what the person I'm talking to thinks. When you understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, no one can argue with it. The business case is clear. It is always their fear of what they think other people will think, which operates around sex more than any other area. And by the way, the fear of what other people will think is the single most paralyzing dynamic in business and in life. You will never own the future if you care what other people think. So what is frustrating to me is that um, I would love women to make Make Love Not Porn happen. I would love to find female investors to get the funding I need. That is extraordinarily difficult for three reasons. And I want to highlight those reasons for your listeners, because I would love your listeners to, to take some, some things coming out of this on board. So number one, not enough women have the assets compared to men. There are way fewer women who are privately wealthy or have money versus men. Okay. So that speaks to something that I urge all women to do, which is to be completely and totally unashamed about wanting to make an absolute shit ton of money. You know, I want to underline that, Denise, because again, as women, it, appallingly, we are not brought up to think about money the way men are. I mean, we are brought up to think that a man is a financial strategy. Okay, I mean, oh my God, dump that notion. 
Um, and so I really want, you know, I say to women, we don't get taken seriously until we get taken seriously financially. I want every woman to want to make as much money as is humanly possible, because it's very important uh, that you do. And by the way, there's also a bigger point here, which is when you do not negotiate and argue for as much money as, trust me, all the men around you are negotiating and arguing for, um, that, that actually, unfortunately, sends all the wrong signals and works to reinforce preconceived notions about women versus men. Because if you are not going into every single salary negotiation in your job, fighting for the most money you possibly can get, when the you know, C-suite at your job, when the senior men look at the spreadsheet with all of the company's salaries, when they see that women earn less than men, in their mind they go, that's because women are not as good as men. Literally, that is what women earning less than men says to those men at the top. And women, by the way. So it's incredibly important that you make as much money as you can. And incidentally, again, depressingly, but, but, but th this is absolutely the case. Every single obstacle female entrepreneurs encounter, getting funded, you know, getting championed, all of those obstacles fall away magically the, min the minute we demonstrate that we can make huge amounts of money. You'll be amazed at how much the playing field levels out dramatically for female entrepreneurs versus men. When we prove we can make huge amounts of money, you see women making the same huge exits as male entrepreneurs. You see women topping the Vanity Fair establishment list as much as Mark, Larry, Sergey, Evan. Okay? So, um, so, so number one lesson coming out of the fact that I can't find enough women with the wealth and the assets to fund Make Love Not Porn. Women, for God's sake, you know, work to be those women because then you can fund other women. Okay, here's, here's depressing problem number two. When there are women who have those assets, um, they have not thought about using them to invest. So women are not brought up to have an investment mindset in the way that men are. Now, women, that's depressing because if you want to make very large amounts of money, the quickest way to do that is to invest even at a very, very small level. I have a wonderful friend, Jane Barrett, who um, has a fintech startup called Goldbean. And Goldbean is basically an investing platform for, it makes it incredibly easy for everyone, especially young women to invest. Um, because what it does is it asks you to provide data that show where you spend your money and then identifies brilliant investment opportunities amongst the brands that you favor. And it shows you which are the ones to invest in. You know, um, leveraging that um, old investor wisdom of investing in the things that you yourself love and, and use personally. And, and the reason Jane started that company is because in her 20s, a friend of hers said to her, always make sure you have fuck you money. By which the friend meant, always make sure you have the money saved. That means that if you're in a job you hate, you can go fuck you and walk out. I wish to God someone had said that to me, by the way. And as Jane says, the quickest way to, to have fuck you money is to take whatever money you're, you're making, save it and invest it. Okay. So, um, so, you know, I, I, I strongly urge women to consciously think about investing because one of the things that really frustrates me is within the Silicon Valley brohood, within the closed loop of white guys talking to white guys about other white guys, that's how all those white guys get tipped off really early on to things like Uber. There was a whole bro network going, there's this thing called Uber really early on, put $25,000 in. You know, um, there are, and I won't name names, but I know exactly who those bros are, who are tipping each other off. Okay, And that network doesn't operate for women. So women, think about investing and consciously get your ear to the ground and look for those investments. Because that is how you, you, you increase your money by 300%. Okay, so that's the second lesson. Here's the third lesson, which is also equally depressing. So... 
When you find a woman who has the assets to invest, who secondly actually has an investment mindset, wants to invest them, here's the third barrier. I've experienced this myself, um, and I have other friends um, look actively looking for female investors to have this too. That woman usually has a partner, a spouse. And that woman says to her spouse, her husband, her boyfriend, whatever, I'm thinking of investing in this. And the spouse goes, oh, no, darling, you don't want to do that. And they don't. Literally. I, 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 I had a female investor who had the money, wanted to invest in May Love Not Porn, talked to her husband about it, and it was very clear from the nature of the conversation subsequently that her husband said, no, 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 you don't, and, and, and she capitulated. So, so he, he, here's the third principle. Do not let anybody else tell you what to do with your own fucking money. I, and those are all really tremendous points that, and I was thinking earlier today too, about how we do allow those voices, as, as you, to your third point here, how we let voices in our heads, things other mm. people tell us, guide us yep. to what we're doing. So whether it's the husband, the partner yep. saying, don't invest in that. As women, a lot of times, yep. we don't question that. No, I mean, I mean, no, especially when it is about business or finance. We give up our power. Yes. You know, and the depressing thing about that, Denise, is that that is a self-perpetuating cycle that means that women don't fund women. You know, and so, again, I want to say to your young female um, audience, your female audience generally, oh, my God, you know, um, think about the colossal market in the things that we all need that are not getting funded and supported. There is a huge amount of money to be made out of taking women seriously. And by the way, I say that particularly about my own category, sex tech, because, oh, my God, um, the money that's been made out of starting, by the way, as well as funding, ventures designed to address women's needs, wants and desires that have historically been deemed too taboo, embarrassing, sensitive or shameful for anyone to think of addressing them with business ventures. Women are now doing that. You know, again, in my field, sex tech, we are owning our sexuality. We are finding innovative and disruptive ways to, to leverage it. You know, as I say, women challenge the status quo because we are never it. And so please, women, make as much money as you can to back other women because, oh, my God, that is how we will all become billionaires. I agree. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. We've got to wrap up. Where can we find you? Cindy at MakeLoveNotPorn.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Cindy Gallup at MakeLoveNotPorn. Um, you can find me on Facebook, you know, do follow me there. You can find me on LinkedIn. And, 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 and incidentally, you know, to, um, I want to make one final point, Denise, because you very kindly alluded earlier to the fact that I have an influential social media following that can make things happen, like what went down recently at Can Lions. Actually, I have, I think at the moment, it's just under 45,000 followers. That is not a huge um, follower base compared to a number of my friends in the tech world or the media world who have hundreds of thousands. But here's the interesting thing. A lot of women follow me. And so when we tweet stuff out, I absolutely have a very influential following because we make shit happen. And that is the power of women networking and sharing um, and other women picking that up. You know, that just demonstrates what we can do, even in relatively small numbers, when we get the whole female networking, sharing thing going. So absolutely, um, you know, capitulate on that as well. I always say, um, sorry, capitalize, not capitulate. I always say that social media is simply a whole new methodology for us to do what we've been doing since the dawn of time, which is sharing the shit out of everything in a way that men don't. Because we are the advocates, the chatters, the gossipers, the talkers, the sharers. So bear in mind that power too. Socially sharing things can make shit happen for women. And I love following you. I love sharing you because what you have to say is really important. And that's why I think your followers are 
so engaged with you. Because when I go to read, when I see your Twitter feed, it's what you have to say is important. It gives meaning to my day. I learned something from it. And I've learned so much from you today. So thank you so, so much. One of my many takeaways from this podcast with Cindy Gallup is to ask for what you want. So here's my ask for today. Please subscribe to this podcast. That way it will be delivered to you the moment it's released, which is every other Tuesday. And check out Mentoring Moments on Forbes.com for stories you can read and share. You'll find the link on my show notes. You just enjoyed a Forbes podcast. To learn more about our other shows, visit Forbes.com slash podcasts. Thank you.